0: What a great time of the year. Amen. Don't you love the Christmas season? I see a few of you do. We got a few Ebenezer Scrooges out there, maybe. Or Grinch with hearts that are two sizes too small. Is that what? I want to say it again. I love the Christmas season, don't you? (laughs) Amen. Amen. I do as long as I don't have to go to the malls. And speaking of malls, I've discovered the perfect gift to get for everyone. Took me a while to figure this out. It's always the right color. It goes with everyone's eyes. It works with any occasion. It's always the perfect size. It never needs to be exchanged, and it always makes everyone happy. It's called M O N E Y. <laughs> Forget the malls, give them money. That's all that they. You know. With this being Christmas Eve, I, I know that everyone is excited about tomorrow and busy with last-minute preparations for the big day. It's only hours away. But I want to thank you for coming to worship the Lord this Christmas weekend. We simply can't not have church on the Lord's birthday. For many years, I was taught that on, if Christmas fell on a Sunday or whatever day it was on, you don't have church that day. It's all about family. And while family is extremely important, you actually do your family a grave and serious injustice if you don't help them recognize what that day is all about. Amen. We're in a new series this month on when God dared And as is our custom on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we have services that are just about an hour long, maybe a few minutes over. So I'm going to get into the Word of God quickly this morning. And um, because of the fact that, that it's Christmas, our services are a little bit shorter, and that's because we recognize that, as I mentioned a moment ago, it is important that we be with families. And there's all kind of stuff, no doubt, that is left to be done, right? I mean... There are gifts that still need to be wrapped, and pies that need to be baked, and turkeys need to be fried, if you're Cajun, that is, and, and at our home, there's still a shrimp creole that needs to be fixed, and chicken, and I think she got the chicken and sausage gumbo done last night, or yesterday, but, you know, that's a Cajun Christmas for those of you that are uninitiated, <laughs> and all I can do is say, I do feel sympathy for you if you don't know what that's about. But even though we're all very busy, it is extremely important that we stop what we're doing for a little while and come together to worship the Lord. If wise men with highly placed positions, three of them, demanding schedules and weighty responsibilities, could leave their duties and travel from afar across very harsh desert terrain and in dangerous circumstances by camelback no less on a journey that literally took months to complete to worship the newborn Christ, is it really unreasonable for us to get into our comfortable cars and drive a few miles to attend an hour-long worship service on the Lord's birthday? I don't think so. And let's not even mention how far he came to be with us and what he went through to get here. There's something in this text that we're using this month in this series, When God Dared, that I hope that you can see. It speaks to me. And if you pay really close attention to what the text is saying, I think you'll you'll pick up on it too. It speaks to the element of risk involved in Christ coming to earth and the chance he took by coming here in the first place. And I realize, I know, as impossible and as preposterous as it seems that the Lord of glory could come to the world he created and that his creation might not receive him? I know as preposterous as that seems, the fact is he came anyway knowing some of us would reject him. He dared to come. He dared to come. He took a risk in coming knowing that some might not receive him or love him or be devoted or even appreciative for what he did. Read this, and I want you to read it with me out loud. We're going to go old school for just a moment. John chapter 1, 10 through 12. Would you read it with me? He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Did you see that? He was in the world and the world was made by him. And they knew him not. And he came into his own and they didn't even receive him. The New Living Translation says this. He came into the very world he created. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and... What? Even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. He showed up in the very creation that he had made as creator. And yet, strangely, his creation rejected him. My subject this morning is when God dared to love. When God took a risk on loving you and me. Father, I pray that you will speak to us this morning. I thank you for your incredible word. I thank you for the amazing, stupendous, unbelievable fact that the Lord of glory would come into this world we live in with all of its problems. And risk us rejecting him. That he might save those of us who did accept him. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for what it means. Thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name. When God dared to love from our earliest memories as children, we've all been fascinated By the story of Jesus being born among us, you can't help but be fascinated. A small child with wide-eyed wonder hears this story and is enthralled by it. As I've said so many times during the years, we must never forget what happened that first Christmas morning. So I I always like to read the Christmas story from the Bible during the Christmas Eve and Christmas Day services. And today I want to read it from Luke chapter number 2 verses 1 through 20. I know it's going to take a little time to read it, but I think it's important. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place when Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because... He was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. The trough they put hay in to feed the cattle because there was no room for them in the inn. To you this day in the city of David, a Savior is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said, One to another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. It wasn't even in the Jerusalem post. He revealed it to shepherds. And they came with haste and fell Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the same which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard as it was told them. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the blessed story of the birth of our Savior and the reason for everything that you see happening right now, from crowded malls to Christmas trees to decorations on houses and in lawns, to the holiday that you will celebrate tomorrow, to the feast that will be laden upon the dining table, it's all about this story right here. This is the story of the birth of Jesus who was called Emmanuel or God with us. Did you know the word Emmanuel? I just learned this. I've been studying this for 50 years and I just learned a couple of weeks ago that Emmanuel is actually a compound of three words. These three words are with us, God. Say that with me, with us, with us, God. God is with us, with us, God. Concerning Christians, it was the brilliant or Christmas rather, it was the brilliant Oxford scholar C.S. Lewis who said, once in our world a stable held something bigger than our world. Wow, with us God. Christmas tells the story of the God who came to be with us and that he loved us enough, in fact so much, that he was willing to risk that we might reject him, as John said. He came into this world to try and save, knowing full well that in spite of his love for us, some of us would say no to him. That is not how you and I act when it comes to love. We're careful about loving someone because we don't want to be hurt. We don't put our feelings out there until we know they're going to be appreciated, valued, and reciprocated. So before we commit too much, we first look to see the other person feels the same way, right? How many of you remember back to the first, second, and third grade? When we were just learning to write and your little childish scrawl, and someone in your class caught your attention that you liked. And you wrote on a piece of paper, come on now, I like you, do you like me? and had drew two little squares, one labeled yes, the other labeled no, and said, check one. And you didn't even hand it to them, you gave it to one of your friends. Why? Because from our earliest upbringing, we have learned that when you love, you're giving your heart. And you don't want to risk giving it to somebody that's going to trample on it. As we grew, we quickly learned in life not to give our love if it was going to be rejected. But Christ came into this world without checking to first see if we would receive him or reject him. He came because we had a problem. We were born in sin. All of us have been shocked and appalled at the stories that have recently come out about various people that we all knew to be the rich, the powerful, the famous, right? From movie stars to newsmen and newswomen, sports announcers, politicians, coaches, orchestra conductors, celebrity chefs, professors, wealthy heads of corporations, and even some presidents. One after another, it has been revealed to us how shameless and immoral they have been in their behavior. We've suddenly found out that all these people we put up on a pedestal were just as flawed as the rest of us, just as sinful. I wonder, have you found it as interesting as I have? (laughs) That for a long time, some of these were the very people who set themselves up as the paragons of virtue. Whose life's calling, it seemed, was to tell everybody else how we ought to live. They were the very ones who railed against the occasional bad apple among pastors. You've seen the exposés. Heard the stories? Occasional pastor goes bad, they pounce on him. It's on the nightly news, six o'clock, prime time slot, and rightly so. They even made movies and had special programs castigating believers and depicting Christians in the worst possible light. Have you ever noticed that when it comes to television or movies? Christians are always wild-eyed fanatics or murderers or child molesters or something. Now, however, we find out that the very ones who were gleefully chartling about the fall of a few men and women of God were even bigger hypocrites themselves. And while they were busy casting stones, they themselves were far from innocent. Have you noticed that? You notice that some of those shouting the loudest have been the most guilty? If there is one thing the events of the last couple of months have revealed to us, it is that humanity has a sin problem. All of humanity, not some of us, all of humanity. And that problem is we were all born in sin, and sin makes you hurt others. It's no accident that the middle letter for the word sin is I. Because sin makes you only be concerned about yourself. Sin is when you build your world just around you and make decisions that only take into consideration what you want. And the reason a man or a woman can destroy a business and do things that will destroy their their family or destroy people around them. Investors or maybe throw a marriage away and never think twice about the person they're hurting. They can crush the lives of their own children and never look back is because sin has the letter I in it. It's all about me, I. Someone can get angry and take a human life or lie and cheat someone else and then later laugh about it. They aren't thinking about who gets hurt. They're thinking of themselves alone. And here is what all of us need to know under the right circumstances, any of us can be tempted to do the wrong thing. Oh, you're real quiet out there, but it's true. Under the right circumstances, you can do something that will cause you to say, my God, where did that come from? Who did this? Who is this person that that just acted this way, not me. No one had to teach us to sin. Our parents didn't have to teach us to lie or have a temper tantrum. We were born with sinful hearts. And the heart of the problem is the problem with the human heart. The heart of the problem is the problem with the human heart. Because of sin, this world is a very hurtful and painful place to live in. And we deal with the effects of sin every single day. Things like anger and betrayal and lust and envy and cancer and heart disease and murder and rape and war and hatred and racial division and crime. These are all the consequences and effects of I, the middle letter, of sin. And Jesus came to conquer sin and to establish a new kingdom that will be established in righteousness. A little babe born in a manger, Emmanuel, with us God. I want you to know that there's a new day coming which may not be very far away. When sin will be forever banished and peace will reign and he will rule. Not as a babe in a manger, but as the victorious Christ and Lord of all. In that day when sin is banished and Satan is punished. When evildoers face the consequences of their deeds. The lion will lay down with a lamb and nothing will hurt them. And nothing will hurt anything else on this earth either. People will not hurt one another. Cancer and other diseases will not rob us of our, our loved ones or our health. And the only hatred we'll feel will be a hatred for sin. And mankind will actually love God and love each other. I give God praise that someday that babe, born in a manger is going to change this world completely forever. Can somebody say hallelujah this morning? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Jesus came that the first Christmas might make it possible that humanity could be saved from sin. And to do so, he became one of us that he could be the one to die in our place. He came to bear our sins in his body to the cross. And here's what you need to know about Christmas and should never, never forget That Christmas was only a bus stop on the way to Calvary. He came daring to love us. So much that he'd be willing to die for us. Came into the very world he created. And wrote a little letter. And said I love you. Do you love me? Yes or no? This astonished the gospel writer, John. He was so overwhelmed by this that he remarked, and again, I use the words, how Christ came into the very world he created and his creation knew him not. The most amazing story of all time is that the creator did this for us and he did so when he didn't have to. And when we didn't even deserve it, he came into his own. And some of them checked, no. Peter said in 1 Peter 2 and 24, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Wow. Live for what is right. You mean people can live for the wrong things? Yes, the wrong things. Who is it in this building that has reached their mid-40s, hasn't looked around and wondered, what am I living for? What does my life count for? Who among us has reached their mid-40s and to their early 50s that hasn't just felt like Have I been living for the right or the wrong things? Has my life really made a difference? By his wounds, the scripture says, were healed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's love. That's love that he would come and carry our sins. That even more than that, it is love so great that in spite of our ungratefulness, he was willing to risk being rejected. Because of Christmas, God did something incredible for us. He paid our debt upon the cross of Calvary. And so this Christmas morning, I want to teach you how to spell Christmas a different way. When you get up tomorrow, don't spell Christmas C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-S. Spell it L-O-V-E. Love. Amen. It's because of Christmas that God did a work for us, but he, he not only did a work for us, are you listening? He does a work within us. That's what's amazing about Christmas. We were a sin problem, he goes to work on the inside and having paid sin's penalty, Christ also diminished sin's power. Its hold on us is weakened and its dominance over us is broken as we grow in him. And I'd like to leave you with this thought. That as you grow in Christ, Christ also grows in you. He reclaims more of you for himself. Because you were created by him and for him and belong to him. That you may bring him glory with your life. And that's why the believer's experience must be a journey. A journey. It's not a destination, but a journey of seeking to know more about Christ and to grow in him. If you were to ask me, Pastor, in all these years you've been in ministry, what is the single and number one problem that you see with the Christian faith? This is what I would tell you, that most believers believe salvation is a destination. It isn't. It's a journey. And they approach it like a destination. They get saved and they tick that off their bucket list. Well, got that done. But in reality, it was only the beginning. You didn't get anything done. You just got started. Amen. Amen. And this is why the the Christian believer must engage in a journey that causes him to seek more of Christ and to grow in him. And here's the truth. If you seek more of him, he will possess more of you. So if you're not content where you are in God, seek more of Him. He will in turn possess more of you. If knowing Him isn't high on your list of priorities, I can tell you this from observation even with my own life, failing Him will be high on your list of mistakes. That's why 2,000 years later, we still celebrate the Lord's birthday because it reminds us that we're loved. Amen. When you're in a rough place, this is what I would suggest because in this broken world, you're going to go through more than a few of those. You can open the Bible and read the Christmas story and realize that 2,000 years ago, the Savior sent you a note that said, I love you. Do you love me, yes or no? I heard the story of a little family, and I close with this story. That some years ago, there was a poor little family who struggled to make ends meet, and the dad worked hard at minimum wage, and they had a little five year old girl. He could barely put food on the table and keep body and soul together for the family. They couldn't afford to spend very much during the Christmas season, so they bought only one roll of wrapping paper. And they were going to use it to wrap their few little gifts that he really couldn't even afford to buy anyway. They'd gone to the store and carefully picked it out from among all the different colors, and they bought a roll of wrapping paper that was gold. And the father came in one evening from a hard day of work before Christmas to discover that his little five-year-old girl had taken the only roll of wrapping paper they had and used it to clumsily wrap a box that she had proudly placed under the tree. It was wrapped as you might imagine a five-year-old child would wrap a box. The gold paper was cut in all the wrong places and all of it was held together with lots of scotch tape. And the whole roll was ruined. He was so angry He punished the little girl for thoughtlessly taking their only roll of wrapping paper and wasting it the way she had. And on Christmas morning, they decided that they would just have to hand the gifts out because they couldn't afford another roll of wrapping wrapping paper. So they would leave them unwrapped. When Christmas morning came, in spite of the fact that there was no wrapping paper, they happily exchanged their few gifts and the little girl couldn't wait to give the box with a gold wrapping paper to her dad. It was her gift to him. Proudly, she said, this is for you, daddy, as her eyes shone with excitement. Open it, daddy. And he smiled but was embarrassed at his earlier reaction as he carefully opened the gift. And when he lifted the lid of the box and peered inside, there was nothing there. And he became angry again. And he said, why did you give me an empty box for Christmas? There isn't anything inside this box. Don't you know it's very unkind and rude to give somebody an empty box and call that a gift? Is this what you wasted the only roll of wrapping paper on that we could afford? The little girl looked up with tears rolling down her little cheeks and she said, but daddy, it isn't empty. I blew kisses in it until it was full just before I wrapped it. And they're especially for you. Whoa. (laughs) As you can imagine, he was crushed and hugged his little daughter tight and apologized for his harsh response. It was not long after that Christmas that that little girl was killed in a tragic accident. And the dad was heartbroken. He kept that little box wrapped in gold paper that she had given him under his bed. And for the rest of his life, whenever he was discouraged or faced a difficult problem, he would take the box wrapped in gold paper out from under the bed and open it and he would reach inside and imagine that he was taking out a kiss that his little daughter had given especially to him. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. These butterfly kisses. Light as a feather on our cheek. And he would remember how blessed he was to have been given her as his daughter and he would remember the purity of her love. I close today by telling you that's what Christmas is. When you feel like you're all alone and nobody cares for you, open this book, and read the Christmas story because it's filled with God's kisses to you.